Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. We have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Woo! Another day. Another sleep. Day 32. Monday, April 13th, episode 245 of the Anakin Florian Podcast. Speaking of websites, AnakinFlorianPodcast.com is now live. Fight Island t-shirts just flying off the shelves. Was that your idea, Ken Flo? Was that your idea? I don't want to brag, but yeah, perhaps it was. Unbelievable. Well, UFC welterweight contender Nico Price has a Fight Island t-shirt in the mail. Ken Flo, watch that, Nico, by the way. Nico, a loyal listener to the Anakin Florian Podcast. Oh, man. So, uh... This is just getting crazy, man. I mean, this is just insane uh, with the three kids and the quarantine and the isolation. And uh, we're going to talk to Ray Longo in a little bit. It's been a crazy day for him. He had a tree fall on his chimney this morning. And uh, again, anybody who's in New York, there's just nothing light or making light of what exactly is going on, Ken Flo. But uh, another week down, kid, and, uh, and here we are. 
Give Longo a break for Pete's sake. The guy, his gym is shut down. A, a, a tree falls on his roof. He's got friends dying for Pete's sake. What the hell's going on? Uh, I, I can't even imagine, man. You know, I only have uh, a two-year-old daughter, and um, you know, with you with three kids, I, terrible. I have, I have terrible. a headache thinking about that. Dude. Yeah, that's a, it's that's a lot. It's that's ugly. a lot. A lot of education. Your wife going is on. a saint, by the way. Yeah, I Jeez. don't know what she is. You know, um, so. A lot to get to today. We're going to talk to the uh, greatest living American, Brian Stan, coming up here in five minutes. We'll get his take on uh, on the mixed martial arts world and obviously what's going on uh, bigger picture with COVID-19 and everything else. We're also going to unveil details for our right now pound for pound bracket challenge uh, coming up later in the program. We are going to let our fans determine who is right now the best UFC pound for pound fighter. In 2020, who is the best guy? We got a whole bracket situation. Details later in the program. But yeah, poor Ray Longo with the uh, he left me a voicemail, and it's obviously gold, right? <laughs> it's it's him talking about a tree falling on his fucking chimney and that New York twang. And but he texted me that I couldn't play the voicemail. It's not even incriminating, uh, but uh, alas, I will not be able to to re-rack the Longo voicemail later today. Well, you at least got to send it to your old buddy, Kempflo. I mean, I got to I'll send it to you and TJ DeSantis for okay. possible repurposing later on. <laughs> All right. So last week we were doing the show and uh, anxiety-filled, getting the itinerary together. You know, I did ultimately have a flight from Fort Lauderdale to Denver to wow. Fresno, 40 miles to Lamore, California. I was going to work UFC 249. So I was in the shower with my son, right? Uh, sometimes it's hard to corral him in the bath, right? So I'm in the shower with my son. I take mm-hmm. my son out of the shower, and I got missed calls from everybody. You know, Bruce Buffer in D.C. and my boss, Zach Candido, Glenn Jacobs from ESPN. So I knew either Ferguson Gaethje was off or the whole card was being postponed. And, and Ken Flo, obviously, word came down late last week that uh, despite the UFC's best intentions to get UFC 249 too touchy and off, uh, it is not going to go down April 18th. Yeah, it just kind of crazy circumstances. Um, you know, I think for, for a lot of the MMA fans, uh, this roller coaster ride is kind of uh, throwing them for a loop. Uh, there is no fights. There are fights. You know, it, it's crazy. You know, and I think for Dana, uh, he's doing his best to try to get these fights going on, but it's just not the right time. There's so much craziness right now. All the political forces at play, uh, just all the risks. Uh, it ended up not happening. Um, I'm kind of not surprised. Um, I don't know if I'm disappointed or happy. I mean, I definitely want to see fights, and I think everybody does. We're definitely seeing, you know, based on how passionate the UFC fan base really is. But uh, unfortunately, time and, um, you know, of what's going on with this virus, it's just not it's just not going to happen in the near future. Um, I know that Dan is talking about this fight island thing, uh, right. which is possible. I know he's built doing this build out. Um, and no matter what you think about, you know, whether this event is happening, you know, in these crazy times or not, a fight island just might be the coolest thing ever uh yeah. so I, I don't know i mean it's i'm just confused about the whole thing um i hope we can deliver these fight to fans at some point um i, I think it's just a matter of balancing safety with yeah. with all, all the things that are going on right now part of my decision to work the show was because once we resume we're going to be going every week. So I said to you privately, Kenny, as I sort of toiled with the decision, if I'm not doing April 18th, 
probably ripping off the Band-Aid April 25th or May 2nd or May 9th. So certainly I'm thankful to have a few more weeks and to let this thing hopefully try to plateau even more so than it already has. We've seen some communities, obviously California and others, have have done a seemingly great job at trying to sort of flatten the curve, so to speak. I think my wife was happier when UFC 249 got postponed than the day we got married, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, uh, she was really worried about me leaving, and I guess I just dove into the preparation, and so I was kind of in a good headspace because I was doing voiceovers, and I was prepping fighters, and it was back to normal a little bit, and then after it got postponed... Uh, there was sort of this exhale, and I was happy for a while, and then I sort of got depressed because the event wasn't going to be happening, and I said, okay, all right, buckle up for 30 more days of, of homeschooling, you know? I understand it's the right decision, but uh, certainly some disappointment on this end a little bit. Well, you know, I'll speak for myself, and, I, and I'm sure this applies to other people, but I think what is kind of putting people on edge and what's so frustrating for a lot of people is – we want to go back to doing what we do. Not yeah, we want to pay the bills and all that stuff too. Yes, but we want to go back to doing what we love to do. And when you can't do those things and you're getting out of your normal routine, you go a little crazy. And I think that's what's happening right now. Um, I know that that's that's the case for me. Not being able to train, not being able to teach, um, all those things. So uh, hang in there, folks. Well, hopefully we get out of this soon. A lot of ramifications for fighters, obviously. A lot of these athletes are going to be paid. A lot of them will be turned around once the schedule resumes. So Justin Gaethje could potentially lose this Tony Ferguson fight. And Dominic Cruz could lose this Henry Cejudo fight, which is just totally insane that that one even came together, right? That Jose Aldo, in theory, was not going to be able to get to the United States of America. And it was the perfect storm for Dominic Cruz, having not competed since 2016, to get a title shot and a good man to bring into this part of the conversation. Now with us and looking great, I might add, in his Irish Mickey Ward T-shirt. One of my dearest friends, former broadcast partner, former WEC light heavyweight champion, former UFC middleweight contender, decorated U.S. Marine Corps captain, probably father of the year, too. The greatest living American, Brian Stan is with us. B-Stan, can you hear me, buddy? I can hear you loud and clear now, brother. How are you guys? We're doing well, man. It's good to see you uh, all quarantined and everything. I think it's like day 32 for me. I mean, what has the last month been like for the the busy body Brian Stan? My word. I'll tell you, it's, um, you know, it's interesting having to transition an entire company to working remotely um, that is customer-facing, and then at the same time, transition three girls to homeschooling and me trying to figure out how to, how to try and accomplish both at the same time. Um, it's, it's been eventful and it's been really challenging. And I think uh, the silver lining is I think it's, it's caused a lot of people to find efficiency, strengths and talents that they didn't know they had. Um, but at the same time, it's been really challenging, right? Like a, a lot of businesses are getting hit hard. A lot of people are getting hit really hard and losing shifts and hours and wages. And uh, I'm just, I'm excited to, to just get through this and, and praying that my family continues to go unimpacted and be lucky. I know you acted quickly for your company in terms of, of masks and, and protective equipment and, and obviously getting them out of the office. But I mean, are you starting to think right now about a possible return date? Or are you just taking your cues from, from the government like everybody else? You know, we're, we're trying to do everything we can to forecast and, you know, we're, we're talking to economists from 
Europe, America, and you know, everybody is trying to be amateur psychologists and wonder when decisions are going to be made. But at the end of the day, none of us really know. I think everybody is hopeful that at some point late May or June that people are going to start getting back to work, um, you know, fingers crossed. But you've just got to continue to balance that with, with what's best right now. And this is going to be one of those things where everybody's critical. We can Monday morning quarterback the heck out of this when it's all said and done with. What a difficult event to be a leader in in government or any capacity to make decisions around this because it's just so hard to anticipate and know what the right call would have been right on a day-to-day basis everything is changing um you got anything for us on the overall governmental response i mean it's easy right to sit at home on skype and and be critical as you just said um but it certainly believed i certainly believe at the very least there was a little bit of a lack of rapidity to engage by our country in terms of the testing and some other stuff. But overall, I think, you know, they've done some things well. Yeah. You know, I think we all would have liked to have seen uh, our country logistically being more prepared with tests, mass protective equipment. Um, I think part of the problem with some of those logistics is how dependent we are on where the, the virus came from. Right? So I had, I had a second shipment of masks that were all stuck in a port in China that we couldn't get access to because the thought was they were contaminated. Um, which is really tricky. You know, the one thing that I, I know, and, you know, we're all, we all levy criticism or judgment, but one thing that I, I will say, you never know how many people you saved. You'll never be able to measure that. You have no idea how many people were saved in all of this because of the measures we've taken, because they didn't die. Had you not taken those measures, you'd have been able to quantify just how many lives were lost or impacted or people were sick. And so, you know, me, me living in a home where, you know, my, my seven-year-old mom lives with me. Um, I've got a six-year-old, right? If they were to catch this, what, what, what is that? You know, what's the long-term impacts? What could the risk be, right? Me having to say goodbye to my mother um, much earlier than anybody would have ever expected would, would, would you know, would be a, a eruption and massive uh, disruption to, to my life, my children's life. And mm-hmm. so we'll never know how many people were saved. Right. And uh, that's one thing that I think everybody can hang their hat on. We took really drastic measures. And the hope there is that we saved a lot of people's lives and a lot of people from that, that type of devastation. Uh, Brian, well, what, what kind of uh, takeaways, positive takeaways are, are, are you getting from this whole virus situation? You know, I, uh, some of them are, one, uh, the ability for companies to work more remote. I mean, let's all face it. The ability to work from home and what that does for your work-life balance and just your overall happiness, yeah. right? We're all really focused on being productive and working really hard. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, life is about our family. And, and I often get frustrated sometimes where there are days where I work and, you know, I only get several hours in the day to spend it with my children who are the most important people in my life. Right. But I spent the bulk of my day working all, all day. Working from home gives me the opportunity where I'm no longer commuting. In between calls, I can help them with their schoolwork. I can give them lunch. I can do different things. So I think that um, we're finding better ways and more efficient ways to do things in business now that hopefully can promote better work life balance for our employees, more efficiencies with our companies that will actually help our economy rebound much faster. And, and get our market back to where it was performing. Because let's face it, at the end of the day, all of us would like to retire and retire healthy. And when the market's doing as well as it's had over the last few years, that's a massive benefit for all of us. You know, I know for, for the company I work in personally, a lot of the invested capital, the institutional capital that we utilize to grow our business, these are teachers' pension funds. 
these are firefighters, police officers, pension funds. So we want to be doing well. There's a bigger purpose there, you know. Um, you know, obviously doing what you do, and um, I, I know you're really busy with, with what's going on with your business. Um, have you been following the situation with the UFC, and how would you assess that whole situation? You know, I, I of course, am following it. Look, um, it, that's been the, the hardest thing of all this, right? Like, that was my family for over a decade. You know, and it's so you always watch it. And I went to fights just before really, you know, everything got serious out in Las right. Vegas and had a blast. And obviously saw the classic that, you know, was was a you want to know, Jay check the, 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 the flyaway fight, which is just incredible. Um, you know, I've been following it. It's tough. And I think that, uh, you know, Dana has such a hard decision for him because he wants to get his people paid. And if he's able to put on fights he doesn't have to reduce his workforce. He can bring in revenue. He can pay his fighters who are waiting. And as you know, guys see fighters' paychecks, but they don't factor in their taxes, right? Many fighters, right, that are just on the up, on the coming up, are are you know, they're paycheck to paycheck at times, right? And, and, and what they invest to their camps too. I mean, they're, they're flying here, flying there, bringing in coaches and training partners. Yeah, super. Exactly right, Kenny. It's hard. So him wanting to continue this and get them paid, right, while not bringing in massive crowds, if he can maintain that his workforce has been quarantined, you know, I get it. I get what he's trying to do there. Um, and then I also understand the decision by ESPN and, and Disney to tell him, no, you can't, right? It's really difficult. There are, you know, there, 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 there's a lot of responsibilities there. And so I, I'm, I'm excited. I think we all are excited to see sports get back into play. And I'm excited at some of the fights that are in the hopper for when this thing comes out. But I can see both perspectives and we could sit there and we can criticize both ESPN for stopping it. We can criticize Dana for trying to move forward with it. But in the end, none of us really know what the outcome would have been, you know, um, yeah. at the end of the day, right. There are certain people placed in positions of power to make those decisions. And I don't think you can criticize Dana for doing what he needed to do to keep his company moving forward and his people getting paid. Right. Um, cause it's certainly not for him. He's set for life. He doesn't care. Right. He's fine no matter how this goes. Um, but there are people put in power at, at Disney, right, that make those calls that, you know, I thought he was very respectful when he had to respond in terms of how he did when it was canceled. Hey, look, I get it. I understand it. We're going to fight really hard when it's all said and done with to get these put on. So yeah. um, we'll all be judged in the aftermath of this. And the thing I just, like I said before, I want to remind people of it's uh, you never know how many people you save with these measures. You can't quantify that. Right. And perhaps ESPN and Disney were sort of waiting as long as they could before ultimately making that call to Dana White and respectfully asking him to stand down. Because as somebody who was preparing to fly to that show, whose spouse was not at all happy with that decision, uh, you know, I think a lot of us were kind of surprised that they didn't step in earlier, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that, that's that's, you know, that's the one area where. You know, if, if you make decisions faster, you give people more more planning and, and things of that nature, certainly. And, uh, you know, for you with young kids at home and um, anybody, you know, work with the UFC, I mean, it's it's really, really difficult to make those decisions. Um, and I understand that completely. It's, it's, it's very – and the other part about making decisions in this environment that's difficult is you can't always trust what comes out from the countries that were impacted before us. Right. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be critical here, but at the end of the day, right, Chinese media is controlled by the government. So you, you, you don't know if everything you're receiving from them is accurate and you're using them as precedents to make your current decisions is really, really tough. Um, 
you know, both a, as a business or in, in government officials. I mean, you know, we in the state of Georgia, we had a governor who stood up and said, this disease is now airborne now, and it's now this type of contagious. We didn't know that until Monday, when that was known for two months. I mean, it was a huge gaffe that went on national media. I mean, some really major mistakes there. So, uh, you know, timing is certainly critical, and I'm, I'm glad that there are, I think, that, that UFC employees who are not having to travel those events are seeing the silver lining and saying, hey, you know what? Uh, it's better to be cautious right now. And the way Dana reassured us in private videos as a staff is something I'll never forget. You know, just how genuine those messages internally uh, that were circulated were from him. So uh, I want to get that out there as well. So quickly, because I know you've been a mentor to a lot of this roster, especially during your time as a commentator. You got 600 plus fighters on this roster. They all got different stories, children, financial needs. What is the mentality of the average man fighter out there, you know, if you've still got a fight on the books in May here in three or four weeks and the restrictions and limitations all remain the same? Yeah, I would tell you, listen, um, I would tell them that this, this is a huge lesson to all of us on how to manage your money and having savings and having real liquidity. You know, experts would tell you, you should have three months of money saved up and always in a liquid fund, like a money market account that you could fall back on. And as a fighter, especially because we can get hurt at any time and we cannot fight for a year. Kenny, Kenny dealt with major injuries during his career and that's hard to do. So I would tell them that that's a lesson and they should have a nest egg. The other piece is, listen, I trained for fights when I was in the military on a heavy bag, right? By myself, I didn't have training partners and I know how complicated it is, but this is how we make money. And the fight game is about making as much money as you can for as long as you can. And to do it as long as you can, you want to take as little damage as possible. My career was shortened by all the damage I took in the gym, like a lot of fighters. And so this is actually an opportunity for them to arrive to a fight in great condition and extremely healthy. Will their timing be as good? No. Will their tech? I would tell you that so much we fighters limit ourselves mentally thinking, oh, if I don't do jujitsu this many times a week, I'm not going to. Yes, you will. Don't put those mental limitations on yourself. Arrive to your fight healthy. Go compete the best you can so you can feed your family, save some money. You'll get back to resuming around normal training because everybody has those limitations right now. Nobody's getting a, spe a specific advantage over you. Um, and I would recommend that they stay in the best shape they can so they could fight as soon as they can. And they'll be able to fight really healthy without having taken any shots on the chin, right. which I would tell you is a major factor walking into an octagon. Yeah, I, I figured you might be a good guy to ask that question to because the circumstances for some of your training camps, even for high profile fights, were less than ideal. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, yeah. I got a concussion a week before a fight. Forrest Griffin tells a story. Yeah, knocked out in the gym a week before fighting Anderson Silva. Uh, Rashad Evans knocked out in the gym a week before or days before fighting Leota Machida. I mean, these things happen so often that there's some silver lining to this. And I think you're going to see some fighters that realize well, I don't need as much sparring or as much heavy wrestling on my body as I thought I did. You know, we were, I think, um, I think fighters have gotten a lot smarter since I've retired, but you know, can only evolve more from this. All right. I got a couple more minutes here with Brian Sand, and then we got some rapid fire questions as always for you on the way out. So you mentioned you were in Vegas last month for UFC 248. Obviously a group of us were, were thankful to, uh, to have dinner with you and break bread and catch up a little bit. But you mentioned the fight between Zhang Weili and Joanna Yu and Jacek, and maybe the best fight that I've ever called. So I got to ask you, that was the appetizer. The entree was Israel Adesanya and Yoel Romero. You're there with your girlfriend. Like, What's going through your mind as that 25-minute affair played out? You know me, right? I've got, I've got 
Javier Mendez sitting in front of me. I've got fans like, around like all super mad. And then I've got her who's still kind of new to the sport. And I'm trying to explain to her what's taking place right now. I said, on, on one hand, you have a fighter who's had conditioning problems before and is fighting cautiously because it's a five round fight. And many fighters are very afraid of getting exhausted and gassing in that octagon. There's nothing worse than it, right? On the other hand, you've got Israel, who's one of my favorite fighters to watch, got hit with an early punch in that fight and probably said to himself, okay, you know, at the end of the day, he has a very small window at the high, at the height of his pay scale as a champion, right? And fans in a sport that is a very short memory, why risk getting knocked out, right? To get less boobs from a crowd when you are comfortably winning a fight at range and not taking any damage that could decrease that window of you being at the top of your pay scale. Because you know what? 10 years from now, who's paying Israel's medical bills? What fans are coming up to him for autographs, right? Nobody, nobody's doing, Kenny, has anybody offered to pay <laughs> medical bills recently? Uh, no. No. <laughs> so it's an entertainment sport and you're not going to be forgiven long-term if that's how you fight. Right. But I can understand his thought process there. Look, you want my belt, I'm winning the fight. Come close some distance. I thought it would be stupid of Israel if he started closing the distance just to satisfy fans in that fight and risk getting knocked out by a guy who was clearly losing. And I think that uh, Yoel, challenging for him, covering, you know, closing the gap with range was always the most challenging thing for me because I'm built like a T-Rex. It's hard, right? And Yoel probably doesn't want to walk into a punch and get knocked out in a fight where he thought his his sporadic explosions may be winning him the fight. Yeah. And you just, you can't, he needs corners that are going to tell him, listen, yo, you're taking too many chances. You are not winning this fight right now. Hey, when we brought you on, we were talking about Dominic Cruz and the potential that he gets a title fight uh, in early May, despite having not competed since 2016, which is absolutely incredible. Now, he was offered the title fight. You know, I, I don't know if Ali Abdelaziz and Henry Cejudo, that side of things, would dispute it. But Dominic came out and said it. You know, I can say on good authority that he was offered that fight. I don't know if Jose Aldo is going to be able to make it back into the country. Piotr Jan is lurking. There are others. But can you believe that shit? I mean, you know with Dom, it's title eliminator or title shot and might be getting the goddamn title shot. I love this fight. I, I honestly, God, I want him to get it. I <laughs> want to watch that fight so bad. Yeah. I have never met someone with the mentality of Dominic Cruz. He's almost so stubborn that he won't lose because of it. Like, it, he won't right, allow right, himself right. to get fatigued. I mean, he, and I don't mean, but I mean, the way his mind works, Henry Cejudo better not take that fight lightly at all. At all. Because I'm telling you, Dominic is mentally as strong as they come. And he will come in there and he will be very disciplined in his game plan. Yeah. He'll be ready. And that is, that is not a guy um, that you want to get into a chess match. You better be able to physically overwhelm him for five right. rounds. Because if you get into a chess match, boy, oh boy, it, it could be a long night for you. Yeah. And Dominic is significantly bigger, by the way. I mean, that you should see them next to each other. All right. Rapid fire questions on the way out with the greatest living American, Brian Stan. All right. Scale of one to 10, 10 being the best possible score. How well have your kids behaved during the quarantine? <laughs> I got I to tell you, I'm going to give them a nine. They wow. honestly, I'm serious. They've, they've been, they've adjusted. They've been phenomenal. I've been on the phone a lot during the day. They've, you know, they've just, they've gone outside and played. They've honestly, um, they've really risen to the occasion. 
and they've been really understanding of different canceled trips. They were supposed to go with their mother to see their family for spring break, which is really heartbreaking for them not to get to do it. So they've been right. great. Yeah. All right. That's good. That's good to hear. Best part of social distancing overall for you has been what? Uh, uh, best part of social distancing. You know, you I, hate your neighbors, I, right? No, I mean, I, 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 th- I think, you know, gosh, I don't, I, I, I don't get out. The best part of it, I think, is I've been home more and got to spend even more quality time with my kids. I mean, playing kickball with them in the backyard, and that's really been the silver lining there, is even more time with my kids, just doing really fun, interactive stuff. And you know, getting in more involved in their schoolwork, even more than I ever was before, you know, is really cool. Because with the teacher not there, I'm, I'm, you know, explaining different things about history and having further conversations. That's been really cool. Yeah. Much better man than I. I'm the academic stuff just gives me anxiety, you know, even the third grade stuff, you know, because it's reading comprehension for me. It's like I'm trying to help my daughter with a story, but I haven't been paying attention when we're reading about <laughs> tortoises. Um, all right, Brian Sand, you fought 11 times in the UFC. Do you know how many on the record post fight bonuses you received in those 11 fights? Uh, one, two, three. Five, bro. Ready? Knockout of the night, Jared Heyman. Fight of the night against Mike Masenzio. Fight of the night against George Santiago. Fight of the night against Michael Bisping. And fight of the night against Vanderlei Silva. That's five. five. Uh, I got, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Damn. That's awesome. awesome. I like it. Right. Come on now. I got to remember that. Thank that's you. my research. All right. But I just, you know, see, Joe, I can't wait to tell Joe Silva the next time I talk to him. Hey, you gave Stan five bonuses, by the way. So, uh, and I'll tell you, one of them was really close. There was when I when I fought George Santiago, Demetrius Johnson had a heck of a fight. Yeah. Um, I, all right. Uh, fact or fiction, by this date in 2021, Francis Ngannou will be the UFC heavyweight champion. Wow. 2021. He's got a year to do it, right? I would have said by the end of 2020, but. We'll have been or will be. No, will be. I'm saying he's got a year to be the belt holder. With fact on that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'll be favored to beat every heavyweight in the world right now. Um, best television show or movie that you have seen since being quarantined? Anything jump off the film for you, kid? You know what? Uh, I recently got into Ozark, and I, I find that to be just just a really really cool show. A I do great like show. I'm not a big show guy, but we just just got into it. I'm five episodes in. I think it's phenomenal. I gotta check it out. Well, it's good to uh, it's good to see your face, my man, and uh, I wish you all the best. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you over the course of the year as we get back to some normal things like UFC fights and all that. But uh, always gracious, always good to hear you, buddy. I hope you have a great uh, rest of the quarantine for as long as it goes on. <laughs> Amen. Thank you guys so much. I miss you guys, and thanks so much for having me. There he thanks, is, Brian. Stan, great shirt. UFC legend, repping Irish Mickey Ward today. Support for the show comes from the official electric razor of UFC Manscaped. Have you ever had an awkward moment where you had to grapple with someone who had a full bush coming out of their singlet? No? Well, thankfully, Manscaped has everything you need to keep your package nice and tidy. Manscaped truly is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, and their top-notch ball trimmer called the Lawnmower 3.0 will keep you clean without nicks and cuts. Manscaped has also partnered with top-tier MMA athletes Max Blessed Holloway, Francis Ngannou, Brian Ortega, and many others who understand what it takes to be the best. 
just like this revolutionary company, Manscaped. They just redesigned that lawnmower 3.0, features proprietary advanced skin safe technology, which makes manscaping accidents a thing of the past. You got the ceramic blade, that's the key to the whole thing. And if you're a mixed martial arts fan out there, take this bit of advice. Don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your package. Pretty simple. It's 2020. We want to help you get there to get 20% off and free shipping with the code AF. Go to manscaped.com today. You get 20% off and free shipping with the code AF at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code AF. Thank you, Manscaped, for supporting mixed martial artists worldwide. You know, I bet in terms of below-the-waist grooming, Ray Longo might have some work to do. Let's get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. It has been a forgettable Monday at the Longo household. I'm looking at a picture on my phone that you just sent me. A tree came crashing down. All over your property, your house, your chimney. Uh, we appreciate you joining us, man. What's going on over there? Dude, I tell you, crazy windstorms. I say another foot, and I'm not even on this phone. That thing would have ended up on my head. So, wow. I'm just happy to happy to be safe, man. It's crazy, man. It's, I'm, I hope nothing else comes down because the winds are gonna keep up for a couple hours. But John, what a what a promo for Manscaped. Oh, you, well, right. Hey, show, you know. But, you know you know what's funny, Kenny? I don't have any gray hair, but I got a couple of gray ball hairs, which I find <laughs> weird. I mean, it's horrible. It I don't have a gray hair on my head, but my ball hairs are starting to go gray. This, I mean, this is, I, need, I need the manscape. This is why you need the lawnmower 3.0. Take those out. I'll tell you, I, I yeah. can't have that. I'm a <laughs> man will, uh, of my stature with gray ball hairs. Come on. You got to give the little guy a fade. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. What, uh, <laughs> A little skin fade down there, Ray. We will uh, we will get you a lawnmower 3.0 in the mail. We'll send you a Fight Island T-shirt. We got Ray Longo minute T-shirts uh, being designed as we speak by the great Cody Merrow. So a lot of uh, irons in the fire, as they say. But quickly, uh, not to bury the lead in terms of this tree coming down on your property. No, you told forget, me on the phone this the morning that it positive. Well, no, I just but you told me on the phone this morning that you thought like a car had crashed into your house or something. Jeez, I thought I thought a plane hit the house. That's how loud it was. Wow, man! I mean, it was crazy. I thought like one of those small planes. I mean, I felt the whole house shake, and I was like, I was, uh, yeah, it was crazy. Really, really crazy morning so far. So, but you know, the show must go on, guys. I know, and I know but you I, don't want to talk about the global pandemic, but how easy is it to get like a roof guy out to your house right now, given what's going on in New York? Uh, it's gonna. It's not gonna be easy, but uh, yeah. but you're Ray you Longo. Know, I understand. I have, yeah, right. I mean, I, I'm really close with a really probably the biggest chimney guy out here, so that's gonna be a oh wow a big plus. So, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I we'll get people here. That's not. I've already had Whiteman actually offered to come and chop the tree up already, but we're gonna have to get some other people over here. But uh, it, it'll all work out. It's a, there's a test at this point, you know. Uh, if I was his to, coach, if I was Weidman's coach, Island, I see Fight Island T-shirts. Kenny, what's going on? Uh, uh, absolutely, we're taking it to the next level. Listen, if I was Weidman's coach, I would force him to cut down the tree with axe kicks and elbows. <laughs> That's what. I, uh, put him to train for Pete's sake. Come on. And let me tell you something, Kenny. This this is my vision right now. See, see if you can picture this. Close your eyes. Okay. I want you to picture this. We all pull up on Fight Island. And we're greeted by Joe Silva. 
Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> He's the and guy. And he had some cool yeah. little accent. Hello, Mr. Longo. Yes. Go to the plane. And we get off. And how crazy would that be? It would be epic. Bring back Joe Silver to greet everybody. Come on. This, this is... This is this is reality TV in the making. Oh, that, I, I'm telling you, it's such a good, such a good story. The question is, how are you going to get Joe Silva out of the friendly confines of Virginia to be a greeter? Right? It doesn't sound like a good job description for Joe. I don't know that he would. I got to uh, tell you, I, yeah, Joe Silva, he might be the smartest guy in this whole thing. Tell him. He got the hell out of here. Yeah. He got oh, out. Oh yeah, man. right. But right. Good a good, great guy. Good for him. I know he's enjoying himself. Uh, but that's, that's all, it's all good. So, uh, so I know you weren't the least bit surprised to see UFC 249 get postponed and not go down on April 18th. You know, Chris Weidman tweeted on April 9th. I just accepted my third opponent in a week. Sucks. Stay safe. Everyone. He listed Jack Hermanson, Edmund Shabazian and Yoel Romero. But the fact of the matter is, even though this show is now postponed, Ray, is that, there are still fighters who have fights on the books in May. Um, so what can you tell us in terms of the latest on Chris and your guys? Uh, you know, after the show got canceled, uh, you know, we, we, you know, that was it. I know, uh, you know, for Volar, I told him just stay ready because when they're ready to go back up, you might not get that much of a notice. Uh, but I don't, they, they, I haven't heard anything really since the uh, cancellation. I know, well, how do you pronounce his name? Shabazian? Yeah. He turned he turned down the fight with Chris because Chris wanted a catch weight at 190 because he really can't train properly and they they wouldn't accept it. And then I think he went to uh, Romero at 205 and they accepted it. And about an hour after that, the, the card was canceled. Mm. So I know I don't know where anything else is after that. Uh, but up until that point, I was in communication with a lot of people, and it's just there were still some unanswered questions. I was trying to figure out, like even. You know, if Chris got hurt at the fight, then he has to go to, like, a COVID hospital over there. I thought that wasn't good. So I'm right. kind of, I, I think at the at the end of the day, it was just the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, even right before this, I just got a text. Uh, a guy I knew pretty well just passed away. And there's there's been a bunch of people now that I know that said this. they just got over it, and it was horrendous. They didn't think they were going to make it so you know, between whose aunt died and whose father died, it's starting to pile up over here, and it's getting closer and closer every week that wow. I talk to you guys. So at the end of the day, man, I'm telling you, it was a good thing because just the plane travel and some of the other things and having to quarantine yourself when you come back, I, it's a little risky. I don't, I'm not sure if it was worth, you know, you know, if it could have been done very safely, you know, I get it, but, you know, there were still some questions that were uh, a little... Right. A little unclear, so I think at the end of the day it was good. As much as everybody wants to see the fights and stuff, I like again. I'm only speaking from a guy from New York, because I'm telling you, we're getting we're right. getting hammered, you know. Right. So I know if you're in another spot where it's not really affecting you. I get it. You don't you don't see it, but you know it's uh, it's it's getting pretty bad. 
Ken, well, that was going to be my foremost question. What do you do after the fact? I, I, what I was preparing to do, just to let everybody know, is to self-quarantine away from my family for three or four days. I guess 14 would be ideal. Yeah. But three or four days until my daughter's birthday and then reintroduce myself to the family if I wasn't symptomatic, knowing that I could be asymptomatic and still be a carrier um, and I was just going to be masked at home. But I think for a lot of people, it's not so much getting through the event. It's like, what are you doing in terms of your family and your young kids and your elderly loved ones after the fact, you know? Right. And I think that's what people aren't taking into consideration as far as, okay, yeah, you, you have this separate event, right, of everybody being treated there and or, you know, being tested and all that stuff, make sure all that part is safe. But what about what happens before the event and after the event? That that's kind of the you know what I think a lot of people are forgetting about, and it's a, such a tricky situation for you know people like yourself who has family and you got to be around. I mean, it's man, it's this is a really tough situation right now. <clears throat> yeah, and, and Kenny, let me. I agree a hundred percent. Like again, what nobody's taking in consideration. John comes back; he's got a young family. I'm sure his wife is stressed out because I've been there before in the past, and then he's got to quarantine himself so he can't help out. So she's yep. going to want to kill him right. naturally. Yeah. It causes a dynamic that, you know, a lot of people don't see. And, you know, Super obviously tough. you're going to get by it and it might seem minor. But it was a would have been a lot of added stress, John. I'll tell you right now, because if you're not helping out and those kids are going crazy, uh, see how you deal with that. And I don't blame her at all. Well, I that's it. I mean, 100% all right. Right. I was like negotiating with my mother to see if maybe she wanted to give up her house and potentially come in here to try to help the family, you know, because right. It's, it's just, and the thing is too, is like, it's hard enough being one on three as a parent, I guess, when you don't have a global pandemic, you know, but it's like when the groceries come and you got to spend an hour wiping everything down, you know, there's just a lot of layers to it, but thankfully that's not our reality. But again, you know, May is the calendar's going to turn to May. And I think for the Matt Frivolas of the world, you know, uh, the show must go on and they're still training and trying to get ready because, you know, as soon as these shows come, Ray, they're not going to stop for the rest of 2020 at least. Yeah, I, yeah listen, and, you know, I, I didn't even text Frivola yet, but I know a guy he was training with just texted me literally like a half hour ago that him and his girl just came down with the virus. So. I didn't even oh, tell Frivoli. I don't know if the guy called Frivoli because he put out like a group text, but he wasn't on. It's just telling everybody, yeah. you know, to get tested. And, you know, he's just letting everybody know. So, you know, right. we're still dealing with some shit over here. So he does have to be ready. And I don't know when that next show is going to be. But um, I don't know. I, I don't I don't. I, I really don't know. Listen, I promote fights also. We right. had to cancel it. The no, first right. Cancellation right. We, the first cancellation we did we pushed to May 15th at the time, thinking that was good. Now we're looking at August, you know, because, yeah. you know, you, we don't have streaming money, you know what I mean? So you're counting on the crowd to come. And if that crowd right. doesn't come, you're, gonna, you're losing a lot of money. Right. Well, bro, we're thinking about you and all of New York State. And uh, just so you know, that voicemail this morning would have been just classic <laughs> on the air. It would not have incriminated you at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Did that voicemail sound like a guy that a, tr a plane almost crashed into his house? Yeah, it, it was just brilliant. Uh, TJ has asked for the audio to repurpose at a future date, but I'll let you take that up with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kenny, come on. Man. Dude, dude, I'm getting tested over here at this point. Yeah. Seriously. Leave, leave Longo I'm, alone, for Pete's sake. 
I'll tell you what, all I want to do is I just want to work out. I'm not even asking for much. Oh, it's horrible. Speaking of burying the lead, I mean, did anybody see Ray Longo's workout, Ken Flo, on Instagram with the fucking, what a Wang Chung? What I mean, did you the see Wing it? Chung dummy? I lo- <laughs> of course, this guy's old school. JKD, Wing Chung. Are you kidding me? Of course, Longo knows that. Hey, you kidding? You see that knife whipping around? I'm I love slicing it. and dicing, baby. I'm telling you. <laughs> fucking scary proposition if you end up breaking into that house. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I got a samurai sword right by the front door. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I'll tell you, it's hey, funny, uh, you know. But uh, I'll tell you, I tell you, I heard, who were you talking? That was Brian Stan? Yeah, Brian Stan. What a great dude, man. I really miss that guy. Outstanding. But I heard you ask him about movies, man. man. One movie... I saw that yeah. was pretty good from the 80s was The Pope of Greenwich Village. Did anybody see that? Oh, the good. Greenwich hey, Village. You got to see it, man, with Mickey Rourke and Eric Roberts, man. It's a great 80s right. movie, man. It's like a, like a mob up. movie, you know, like a low-level uh, mob movie in the city. It's, it's pretty, really good. Check it out. Is it black and white or they got color in that movie? <laughs> no, it's color, baby. It's fucking, right. what do they call it? Whatever color they call that in the movies, it's 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 beautiful. Man, the eighties were that far for you guys. No, no, we're seven. Ken Flo and I were born in the nineteen seventies. We feel all of that. Hey, we feel hey, everything you're hey, doing hey, out there. Hey, there you go. Very all right, good. hey, have a great weekend. Uh, good luck with the roofing guy. And uh, sorry about all that, man. We'll talk to you next Monday. Okay. All good, guys. Take it easy, man. Take care, Ray. There he is. And we will play that voicemail at some point in time. But, uh, Ken Flo, i got to forward you these pictures. Poor Ray Longo. Dude. We now go from New York State to Parkland, Florida, where Ian Parker now joins us live. The duck, live and in color. Dude, so did you make Cody put the duck on the uh, on the Fight Island <laughs> t-shirt, or did he just do that as a nod <laughs> to uh, the great Ian Parker? Uh, both. i said to him i go you know i feel like that island's missing something and he's like a duck i'm like you could just throw a little one in there on the island there's ducks on the island and it's funny because i said to kenny you know i said these shirts are fire and i sent the screen what i sent to you and kenny goes i didn't even fucking notice that i go i said what a surprise something with me kenny just lets it go right over his head no big deal though it's fine it's kind of like those those dms he sends me to follow him i just i don't see him i don't know why he doesn't, he doesn't see him he you know he, he sends me the emoji that looks like this when i say that he goes <laughs> i'm sitting there yeah. going like this this fucking guy just keeps smiling at me and yet he just doesn't click the goddamn button it's it's Terrible. amazing that you were able to get the duck on that T-shirt without getting the Ken Flo approval. But, uh, yeah. Kenny but liked again, it. I, he liked it. No, it's yeah. a nice touch. AnnaFlorianPodcast.com if you do want to go into the store and get a Fight <laughs> Island T-shirt. They are now available. I think there's a promo code AF10, if I'm not mistaken, as well. All right, Ian. So, uh, you know, I appreciate your friendship as much as I do your contribution to this show. And you sent me a very nice text message when the UFC show was postponed because I know you were happy I wasn't going to have to fly all over the country. Um, were you surprised, though, that somebody intervened and asked Dana to stand down? Or was it your expectation that there were kind of a lot of days still on the calendar and, and getting to April 18th was was pretty ambitious to begin with? Yeah, you know, look. As a fight fan, uh, obviously, I wanted to see what was going on. And as we talked about you as my friend, I didn't want you risking your family and your health and all that stuff. I didn't think the fights were ever going to happen. Listen, we, we all heard about the location that was revealed. John's already drinking. It's only 141. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, um, 
I just, they never, for Dana or the UFC to not ever post a location on their social media, to me, that was just the one sign right there. And, you know, hearing with Rose backing out, it was just a matter of time that every fighter on point, except for, I mean, I don't think Tony knows that it's canceled. I'm pretty sure he's still waiting yeah. at the location after cutting weight. Um, so, look, at the end of the day, I think it was the best thing that they possibly could have done. You know, Dana White, kudos for trying to make it happen. But, uh, yeah, I, t I told you, I even said to Kenny, I just don't see how this happens by the 18th with everything going on. There's just no way. And the fact that it was the CEO of Disney had to call Dana. He's like, yo, this is Mickey here. Relax. <laughs> Relax. We'll be here for you. We got this. Uh, it says a lot. But you know what? At the end of the day, it didn't happen. And everyone could stay healthy until this thing fucking chills out a little bit. So I know we did a fantasy draft and we all came up with a fight card based loosely on some of the fight cancellations or postponements. When this train resumes, Kenny and Ian, I mean, you talk about all hands on deck. I mean, you could put on paper what would be on paper, Kenny, maybe the, the deepest, best card in UFC history with all the talent. Not to mention probably every single weekend. They're gonna, I mean, if the UFC wants right. to fulfill this quota and all that stuff and they have a bunch of people who are waiting to fight, there's going to be maybe one or two fights, uh, one or two fight cards every weekend. I mean, it's crazy. So, Ian, we talked about uh, you got something you need to handle there, kid. It's quite all right. Yeah, I I'm going to listen to you. Just I have a 12-and-a-half-year-old boxer that's lost his damn mind, <laughs> and he, he can't hear, but he's good. And this is what he does. He purposely waits for me to walk away, and then he goes on my new couch, and he has an open tumor on his tail that I'm taking care of. Oh, no. And he, just, he just knows that, like, he... Where is he? Can you see him? Oh, right, there. there he is. Yeah, he knows. He, he's, he's just... He fucks with me. Like, he pretends that, that, like he's deaf. That is one Sorry. boxer that does not care about life expectancy progressions for previous boxers. He's, he's going to live forever. <laughs> he's in great shape, minus this thing on his tail that i've been trying to get removed but like it's funny he thinks i'm not paying attention and he goes and just lays on this new couch that we just got like two weeks ago like i don't let the kids drink milk on it yet this guy thinks he's i mean he's earned it but i bought him this ridiculous bed like yo just stay in your bed bro right. so yeah. and of course he had to wait for the podcast so my apologies what was the, what were you uh, asking me well, we were just talking about how potentially loaded some of these UFC mm. shows could be. But let's get to May 9th, which is UFC 250. Because I feel like the UFC's Bantamweight division might be my favorite right now. Jose Aldo oh, sure. off a loss was going to come challenge Henry Cejudo for the UFC Bantamweight title. Or should I say Henry was going to go to Rio uh, to put his belt on the line. But Dominic Cruz has been offered the UFC Bantamweight title shot. Now, I'm not sure if that's still going to happen. Um, but as the consensus greatest Bantamweight of all time, and given what he's put on paper, granted it was a long time ago, I have no problem with him getting a title shot if Aljo's not healthy, if they don't believe Sanhagen has put enough wins on paper, if Jan and Aldo can't get here. But how fucking crazy reality is that, that Dominic Cruz could be fighting for a title here in like 29 days? I mean... Let's go even a step further. What if he beats Henry? You know? I mean, look, Cruz has done the unthinkable, coming back from injuries and not just regular injuries. These are career-ending injuries for most human beings. And you got a guy, if you follow him on social media like I do, I know he's your friend. I, I've never had the honor of meeting Dom other than seeing the back of his head when you and I did Instagram Live one time in a hotel. But, you know, the dude's always training. He's working hard. He doesn't make excuses. And people may shit on this idea. You know, that he hasn't fought in a couple of years. But, guys, who else is there? I, I don't think Corey Sanhagen's name sells. I think that's a guy also I want to see him fight some top-level guys before 
we get there. Aljo, if he's not healthy, Peter, you know, Jan is stuck, you know, with his uh, Siberian Huskies out there in the snow. So he's not coming over. So at process of elimination, if you guys are willing to accept Jose Aldo doing this fight, I accept Dominic Cruz with open fucking arms, and I'm looking forward to it. And and if for some reason Dominic gets stuck in California, I hear Kenny Florian's ready to go. So, Ooh. you know, it's a uh, flow. They're calling you out of retirement for a title shot against Triple C. Let's go. Uh, 135. That's five weight classes, guys. Imagine me. <laughs> you saw me at 145. Look, Eddie, uh, we Vigen- are talking about pound-for-pound rankings, bro. You, it's true. I know you want in. You can it's do it. It's true. All right. I believe I, in you. Uh, so I could do it. So uh, <laughs> we have had our team together brainstorming different content ideas in terms of the next month and how to handle it, because certainly there's so much that we could do with UFC Fight Pass at our disposal. We can go any different, any number of different ways, right? We're going to do a right now pound for pound tournament. But before I get into the details on what we're going to do with the fans. Yes, all credit to Kenflow, by the way. This was all Kenflow's idea. But Kenny, I just want to start with the whole pound-for-pound <laughs> pound discussion. Because candidly for me, it's not always been a conversation that I have embraced or enjoyed because guys like Stipe and DC, right? Like to me, oftentimes it's throw out the heavyweights, right? It's like I feel like sometimes I focus on only guys 35 through 70 at, when I talk about truly pound-for-pound pound at its core. So, uh I know we're all in, but what what are your thoughts loosely on the pound-for-pound debate to begin with? No disrespect to anybody heavier than 170, but you're probably right about that. Because for me, it's all about what would happen if those guys, those competing pound-for-pound candidates, were the same weight and possibly the same height. How would a Henry Cejudo do if he was in that 250-pound range, Right. Right. Um, and how would Max Holloway do against Stipe at 250 or whatever? So I think that's how you measure a pound for pound deal is what would happen, assuming those guys were about the same height and about the same weight. And it, that way it makes it about skill. What kind of skills and what kind of physical characteristics are they bringing into the octagon there? Right? So I, I think that's the key, right? Ian, go ahead. No, it's it's an interesting take because I also think that if you go about it that way, I think guys would have to train differently. They'd have to like if you took Francis Ngannou and said, "Hey, you have to cut weight to get to get to forty five. I don't think he's just standing there throwing bombs. I think he's going to have to learn how to actually wrestle and not and, right. and not just be a powerhouse. You know, for right. me, but you know, but Kenny, what you're talking about is like the ultimate dream situation for someone like myself you know growing up i always thought i was a triple threat i was short white and jewish so aspirations <laughs> of of the nba i was always like oh if i was six two i would be awesome but you know at five two i'm like i'm like a smaller earl fucking boykins you know which was like <laughs> you know it was like mugsy bogues used to love to come teach at our school because he's like i'm standing next to this All right yeah. you know this fucking asshole thinks he's gonna make the nba so you know when in this situation I almost want to look at the pound for pound as guys that would have success now if they went up or down, you know? So sometimes I look at guys like, to John's point with the heavyweights, it's hard for me to see what Stipe would do at 205 because I don't know if his style works in a division where guys are a little bit faster, you know, who are a little bit more elusive as opposed to these power guys where he's the faster guy. You know, DC has shown us that at heavyweight, he's been successful and at 205, obviously, other than John Jones, he's been successful. 
You know, how do we measure certain guys who have only fought in one division and just assume, hey, pound for pound, they could take on guys heavier than him? Well, this you is know? what I, this is what I love about this scenario is, yeah. you know, you could see the strength of the division as well through this. Right? Mm-hmm. Are you exactly. telling? Would Francis Ngannou have the same kind of success um, at lightweight as he would at heavyweight? Assuming he was 155 pounds. I, again, so that this is where it determines what skills are we actually talking about here. Right. So just making them the same weight. And I think that's originally what pound, the pound for pound uh, best fighter was in boxing. That was where the conversation uh, revolved around was if they were the same weight, how would they fare? Right, right. Oh, God. I hope Cody Merrill's got his graphic art uh, genius ready because if I don't see Francis and Ganyu at 135 fighting Cejudo at some point, yeah. you know, that little ass body, big head, and big right. hands, I, I'm going to lose it. It's going to be phenomenal. All right. Well, to that end, let us get you some details for the right now pound for pound bracket challenge. So, right now, pound for pound means. You're not getting a prime Daniel Cormier unless you feel like Daniel Cormier at 41 years old is smack dab in the middle of his fighting prime. Kamara Usman, for example, ranked number seven in the world right now, appears to be smack dab in his fighting prime or entering it right now. So you're getting a prime Kamara Usman versus a late career Daniel Cormier, even though according to the UFC's pound for pound rankings, DC right now has the higher ranking. So that will be sort of our base. It's going to be the UFC's top 15. But here's a big part of the kicker and something that Kenny and I really like. We are trying to have our listeners and our viewers determine who they believe right now is the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. We also want you to determine the last man in to the tournament, right? So we have the top 15. Our listeners are going to come up with the 16 seed, the man who will challenge John Jones, who is the number one seed in the opening round. So I'm going to go through one through 15. But first, Ian, I'm going to give you the four guys who have been nominated for the 16 seed And you can start to help our listeners if you have a lean in one direction. All right. So the four fighters vying to get into the right now pound for pound tournament. Leon Edwards, the aforementioned Francis Ngannou, Paolo Costa, and Colby Covington. So those are the guys on the outside looking in. Number 15 in the world right now is Dominic Reyes. 14 is Robert Whitaker, and on and on it goes. But one of those four, Edwards, Ngannou, Costa, and Covington, is going to be facing John Jones in round one, and they might fucking win, you know? You know, if this was uh, like a matchmaking challenge, it would just be for me like what exciting fight or whose ass do I just want to get see beat more than anything? Like, if you don't think I want to see Colby Covington get just the shit beat out of him by John Jones, you know, just, you know, to see if that gimmick holds up. But, oh, I think this is an easy choice. How do you not say Francis Ngannou in this situation? I mean, there's just, he has to be, um, I don't see any of the other guys really in a pound for pound yet in, in their career and anything, you know, I think Leon Edwards is a very exciting guy. Cause we just, we haven't seen him where he is supposed to be. If that makes sense, you know, maybe he does win the title and that changes this conversation. But as of today, Oh, Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. That's exciting. And that can really happen. That's what's even cooler. We're not going to get too many of those, I think, in this whole bracket, you know, where the realistic match actually happens. This one, I think, can and possibly will. So I'm going to go with uh, with Francis there. Also, I'm kind of afraid that he listens to the show and thinks I'm making fun of, like, his small 35-pound frame. So, uh, Francis, I pick you, bro. 
<laughs> so, uh, Kemplo, this is your baby. So if fans do want to vote, they can go to YouTube. They can go to Twitter where there will be a poll with four choices. Leon Edwards, Francis Ngannou, Paolo Costa, Colby Covington. We also have a hotline set up. So you can leave the show a voicemail at any time. You can go to anaclorianpodcast.com or you can call the hotline 1-857-301-8994, 857 301-8994. Some of those voicemails might make it on the show next week. Uh, but just want to know who you think deserves inclusion in the tournament. Who should be the 16 seed? Leon Edwards, Francis Ngannou, Paolo Costa, or Colby Covington? All right. Let me clear my throat, and we are going to get to the matchups right now. And then just any thoughts you guys have on the way out in terms of these opening round matchups. But it's going to be up to the fans to determine who wins these matchups and ultimately who we crown as the right now pound for pound king. All right. 16th seed to be determined takes on John Jones. The 15th seed Dominic Reyes versus Habib Nurmagomedov. The 14th seed Robert Whitaker takes on third seeded Henry Cejudo. The 14th seed is Tyron Woodley. Excuse me. The 13th seed is Tyron Woodley. He will take on Stipe Miacic. Then you have Dustin Poirier versus Israel Adesanya. Max Holloway against his good friend Daniel Cormier. That's just going to be bananas if those two are going head-to-head. Kamar Usman versus Tony Ferguson. That might be the best matchup of round one, the seven seed versus the ten seed. And then your classic 8-9 game, the newly minted UFC featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky against Conor McGregor as the number ninth ranked pound-for-pound fighter in the world. So there's your UFC top 15, and and those are your opening round matchups. Uh, Ken Flo? What jumps off the page, kid? Uh, I'm giddy already just thinking about those matchups. Um, and again, you know, I, I guess what you got to think about more than anything else, yes, we're going to have our favorite fighters and all that stuff. We want to see them do well. But take into consideration how they match up against the other fighter. That's what makes this so interesting is don't just look at what they've done or what the record is or their current momentum, but look at how they match up against the other fighter. And I think this is what makes the fight game so damn interesting. Uh, So, again, I think as far as the 16th seed going going up against John Jones, based on who you pick, they might advance past John Jones and get a huge upset. So I'm really curious to see how the fans see this, and uh, I can't I can't wait to see how it plays out week by week. Ian Parker, obviously next week we will uh, get those poll results and talk about that 16 versus one matchup. But uh, what do you like on the uh, on the opening round there, kid? Tony Ferguson and Kamara Usman jumps out at me. Uh, Could have even happened April 18th, potentially. Well, that, yeah, that's, that, that's something that we brought up. I, I thought that I, I thought that was going to happen, to be honest. I thought Tony, them saying, listen, your title shot at 55, you'll, it probably is never going to happen because of how crazy this shit is. But hey, Usman will fight you at 70, and Tony would have been like, I'll eat, let's go. That would be such a crazy fight, man. Oh, my God. That's something I think could also happen. Like, if Tony wins the belt eventually, you're talking about a guy I think who can go to 70 and have success. He's batshit crazy enough to do it also. I really want to know if he cut weight. I want to see if he weighed in at home. We didn't get a follow-up on that video, but that would be kind of funny. But uh, I love that one. time. Yeah, Dustin Poirier and Israel Adesanya, I felt that's kind of interesting. Um, I think Adesanya wins, but it's still just a, a weird matchup to think about that, that yeah. never would have thought of before. Then Volkanovski, Conor McGregor. That is something I think we could also potentially see in the future. I mean, Volkanovski is a big 45er, you know, to see right. him go up to 55 and meet Connor. That could be fun, man. This is so cool. This is something that I hope like afterwards, one of these popular like streaming guys actually puts them together and does the simulations. That'd be fucking sick. 
So again, you can chime in on the hotline, 857-301-8994. You can go to YouTube or Twitter and vote in terms of the 16th seed. But I think the best part of this for fans, you're going to get an opportunity to fill out a bracket, right? So once the bracket is completed with that 16th seed, you're going to pick all these matchups and you are going to crown a right now pound for pound king. And I think most interesting for me is to see just how low a seed or high a seed, but just how low a seed potentially could get mm-hmm. into the final. You know, we talk so much about John Jones and Khabib. I can almost guarantee you, Ken Flo, our final game in the right now pound for pound challenge is not going to be Khabib versus John Jones. It's just not, you know. No, it's crazy. Again, the matchups are everything. Styles make fights and, and um, you know, I, I'm really curious to see how this plays out. I can't wait to break it down with, with you and Ian uh, week by week and uh, it gives us something really fun to do uh, until it's actually fight time. So uh, participate. Give us your picks, guys. This is uh, this is awesome. The more the merrier. And obviously, we'll talk about the matchups next week. Ian Parker, anything else before we let you fly, kid? How are the kids behaving? All right? Oh, it's just delightful uh-huh. over here. Yesterday, my son climbed up. We have uh, by our pool, we have like, I thought it'd be cool to have like rocks stacked up. Like, oh, we could cliff jump into the deep end of the pool. This kid just like flying off. It. And my three-year-old daughter, I turn around to grab him and she's jumping off it. I have no control. Um, zero. And my wife is like, don't let them do that while she's like setting up bubbles on the outside of the pool. So it's, you know, it's, um, we're doing great. You know, (laughs) you know, it's, uh, look, this is just such uncharted territory, even for people that stay home and do things, you know, the kids are just, I don't know. It's just the, if I didn't have a pool, I'd be screwed because taking them on bike rides or walks is just not like intriguing like kids don't like bubbles anymore and kids love bubbles well and it's also <laughs> my son still likes bubbles thankfully but probably in two weeks he's gonna be like dad enough of this sticky bullshit get it out of here you know Fuck but you you're bubbles. right like yeah, exactly. in terms of the social distancing it's very hard because people are, are are everywhere and i do envy kenflo a little bit right now with the one kid though man you know i know you got oh, dogs God. and everything else but like because if you got two parents two able-bodied parents and one kid right. it's like here clark Take true for an hour. I'm going to go do fucking recreational drugs or run a mile, <laughs> but here. So for me, I finished this podcast. Yeah. I've been I've been doing podcasts all day. I go downstairs and it's like <laughs> there's three of them, you know? <laughs> yeah, Kenny Four. looks so well. Uh, Kenny looks so fucking well rested. It's I actually know. really aggravating. I actually slept two days ago. Though it was my dogs that were kind of giving me a hard time. We have we still have a puppy, and he was waking me up, waking us up. <laughs> at 2.30 in the morning, then again, 3.30, then 6. I was like, what's going on? Just shit, man. Come on. <laughs> anyway, yeah. All right. All right. We got to get out of here. Ian, great stuff as always. My man, the duck, again, just, I mean, you talk about brand management. You're doing a great job branding that duck. So Appreciate keep it going. It. By the way, tonight, 9 o'clock, new episode of Tiger King. All oh. Right. Right. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thanks to our guest today, Brian Stan, Ray Longo, of course, Ian Parker right there. Our producer is TJ DeSantis on the video side, the great Cody Merrow. We are back next Monday again. We will let you know who is the 16th seed and maybe some updates in terms of some UFC fights in mid-May. We can only hope with that for Ken Paul and everybody else. John Anderson, so long for now. Until next week, appreciate every last one of you. Yo fucking later.
Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.